You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And Wayne, I've just been looking at the Stock Exchange News Service and I was thinking to myself, well, not really that much has come out today. But then I saw no. at half past four today, the share code is BAT. The SENS headline is BRAIT, Dealings in Securities by Associates of Directors. And the share price on my slightly delayed screen just before the close as we're speaking, 29.33% weaker. Am I missing something here? The share no, look, is I don't 29%. Know, I don't know, yeah, I don't know whether the shares have gone... No, they're doing the rights issue, eh? Oh, okay. They're raising enormous amount of capital, and the share might have gone... Uh, you might have got your your... your your uh, your allocation of shares. So, was if you own one break share, yes. you might might know uh, you might now own one break and two NPLs, null paid letters. So that may have happened, but I know they're issuing the shares at a massive discount. But and also you don't know the volume, so you'll you'll have to we'll have to have a look into that. But of course, breaks come down from one sixty. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but I mean, it's a nervous laugh, yeah. To eight rand or nine rand, whatever it is now. Eight or nine rand. And they've got to do a rights issue to try and recapitalize the business. And that was all to do with New Look. The other businesses might be a little bit boring, and you can argue Iceland's not doing so well, but the other businesses, which essentially is uh, the gym business, Virgin Active, actually doing reasonably well and then they got a rush of blood to the head to go into new look and new look itself was a problem now you've got to ask a few questions why would a south african company try and go into the uk into an environment you don't understand to try and fix something up that's got a problem and then you go there and you appoint management and they decide that they're going to revamp the store and give it a whole new look, literally, yes. and go for the younger generation. And they alienated all of their 40-plus uh, British women who used to shop there because no one could understand all the new trendy clothes that were there. And then they were caught by online sales like every other retailer. And then they were caught by Brexit. Mm. I mean, quite frankly... Could you have got it more wrong? Well, obviously, circumstances conspired against them. But have you ever been yes, to yes, Have yes. you ever been to London and, and walked along a high street, which I did? I think it was in Notting Hill, Portobello Road, and I looked, and there was a new look there. And I said, "But this, this there's nothing new about this. This is just a shoe shop to me." There's well, it's 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 it's, it's, it's all apparel. It's not just yeah. shoes, hmm. but yes, and and the high street in the UK is intensely competitive mm. and now they've got the, their biggest competitor isn't even on the high street anymore it's online yes now that is their biggest competitor by far so i mean could you have got it more wrong quite frankly and i understand circumstances conspired against them they didn't plan for brexit the online caught everyone look at what's happened to the to the into share price i mean that has been destroyed beyond comprehension mainly because of online and Brexit. But, you know, sometimes 
sometimes you should just stick to your knitting or if you decide to go overseas, don't bet the farm. Go small first. Yeah. You know, put put ten percent of your net asset value, not forty percent or fifty percent or sixty percent of your net asset value. And then don't borrow heavily against it either. But everyone's learned this lesson, and of course hindsight is literally twenty twenty vision. But you know, the people who have been successful overseas, SA breweries, they went small, they accumulated, they started off small, they learned the market. Brian um, Brian Joffe with Bitvest before it became Bitcorp, he went small, he understood the market. You know, and maybe that's the lesson to learn in all of this. Don't go big and don't buy a problem. Because you look at David Jones, it was a problem, it wasn't a well-functioning, you know, rather, rather overpay for something that works than thinking you're getting a bargain and you can fix it up. Yeah, we've learned our lessons, but unfortunately, boardroom egos will consistently in, yes, the, in the future continue to mean that there will be people that are saying, we ought to buy this because we can show the Australians and the British we and the French and the Germans, we, we can do better than them because we've done so well yeah. in South Africa. But anyway, they're 29% down and uh, you're quite right. It's probably just an anomaly because of the rights issue and the nil paid letters and all that sort of thing. Anyway, um, Tongart Hewlett has come up with a trading statement and operational yes. update and renewal of cautionary. And um, it says here, expected range uh, loss for the period, headline loss for the period in millions of rounds is going to go down from 327 to uh, only 303 uh, million. So I mean, it's, it's getting there, but very, very, in very, very slowly and in very small increments. Yeah. And, and what I must say, I find it a bit annoying. They suspended the shares when this whole scandal hit. That's yeah. fine. Then they came up with their trading statement not that long ago. Maybe three weeks ago, but not that long ago. They came up with the trading statement and they took the 12 billion, 11 billion write-off. And they went negative equity and they negotiated all the special deals with their bankers, blah, blah, blah. But then they say we're not going to ask for our shares to be suspended, to, for the suspension to be lifted, because we, we want to inform the market that our current trading conditions of you know, what they are so the market can make a better assessment of what our share price is. So automatically I thought, too, they're going to show something spectacularly better. Meanwhile, it is better, but they're still making a loss, eh? But at least they do say in that statement, they're going to they're going to lift the suspension first week or two in Feb. What would now you I want do? To see what that share price does. What would you do? I mean, you, you, you're forced to. You've had a bet with somebody, and they say on the opening when they are relisted or the suspension has been lifted, you have to do yeah. something. You have to buy or sell. What would you do? I thank goodness we don't own that share. If you do own it, I think you just sit back and you wait for the dust to settle. Okay. Because the sugar business is still the sugar business. Eh? That's been around for 100 years. I mean, that's heavily cyclical, but it's not bad. I mean, I don't like any agricultural business because it's too cyclical. Yes. So, in fact, I'm even starting to think, well, we don't own any. I'm also starting to think the food, the food producers are too cyclical. I mean, it's bad enough owning commodity shares because they're so cyclical, but these other ones are just as cyclical. So I, I fundamentally don't like the primary food producers at all. The, the chickens, the, the, the whole lot, 
there's just too many variables that you can't take into account. You know, they'll be dumping chickens the one year, and then there'll be a, a an exceptional sugar crop in in Cuba or Mauritius, and that will swamp the market. And but yeah, and when something's been suspended with such massive corporate scandals, I don't think you sell on day one. I think you just sit and and wait. And as I said, the sugar business might be cyclical, but it's been around probably more than 100 years. Mm. And it's, it's for a primary agricultural producer, it's not a bad business. You know, it's okay. You know, you look, and of course, the, they still own some of that property, although it's worth significantly less than what they were telling us it was. But So, you know, I don't think the company's going to go bankrupt. Their lenders seem to have given them uh, 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 credit and to carry on functioning, they'll probably come with the mother of all rights issues to try and recapitalise it. You know, so yeah, we'll have to see. Okay, well, let's wait and see anyway. So we leave it alone. We let the dust settle and the, um, the sugar to dissolve, and we'll see what happens. This is a good story here. And I looked at this trading statement this morning. I think it came out at nine o'clock, and it says here. Assets under management of £110.4 billion at year-end, that's up 13%, with growth supported by positive market movements, fourth-quarter gross sales of £3.5 billion, and that's nothing to do with the market moves, that's to do with their sales and marketing machine, yes. uh, 17% higher. The company under consideration here is Quilter PLC, and the share price rewarding everybody's faith by uh, going up nearly 9%. Very good performance. Yeah, that's no, a very good performance. Look, that 13% increase in assets under management was the market, eh? Yeah. Equity markets overseas did, what, 28% last year. You know, so if the AUM didn't go up, it would have been astonishing. But the client, the sales were quite high. Their net cash flows, in other words, the difference between inflows and outflows, was positive, but that wasn't a massive number. So I think the market sort of doesn't quite know how to handle this share and they were surprised by the big increase in the assets under management although as I said you can look at the share market and work out what the AUM is going up by because you know 50% of it will be in equity yeah but so also the sales I, not I, I think I think the sales side the is sales more important good, yeah. yeah they were really no, the good sales were good they're doing something, yeah, and, and and well done to them. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's a it's a sort of stock that I've I've been very fairly disparaging about just because I'm ignorant yes. and I don't like the name Quilter. It sounds like a bedding shop yeah, to me. Yeah, I don't me. like the name. No, no but I, I mean, like the well done to them. <laughs> yeah, they have surprised the market, and the market rewarded them. Very good indeed. Well done to those people that don't listen to me, which is many yeah. of you. I know. Let's have a look at the. We're almost at the end of the month now, and in fact, the next time we speak, Britain will have left the EU. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be a new month, and and it's been a very very interesting month. Lots and lots of news, and a, a little bit of volatility. And I don't know whether that volatility yes, is indicative of um, you know when you get a lot of movements either at the uh, very top or at the very bottom of a market that it um, sort of constitutes a change in trend, or if this is just normal with the markets being so elevated. What what is your opinion of the well, first month of twenty twenty? Okay, what you measured, what you said was entirely correct. Not South Africa, but overseas markets are elevated. Eh? These are not cheap. No. You know, they're not cheap by a country mile. So I don't think they're going to correct, but anything that makes them a little bit concerned, they're going to come down. So let's see what happened in this first month. Of course, we've had 
the terror attack and the assassination and the counterattacks and the attacks in the Middle East. So that's been unstable. That hasn't helped the market. And then, of course, two, three days ago, you had the big scare about the virus in China. Although the last two days have almost reversed all of those losses. I mean, the market was up. Well, the market was flat yesterday, but it's up 1.4% today. So almost all those losses have been reversed. So it's been quite a volatile month. And certainly on the South African share market, I mean, it was 59,000 at the beginning of January. Mm. You know, it's 56, well, it's over 56 now, but, you know, it's lost a good four five percent up until today so it hasn't been a good place and of course what's happening in south africa doesn't help because nothing's happening no nothing is happening actually uh, it, it, it's, it's yeah. remarkable remarkably quiet and i sometimes wonder when you see mr trump on on twitter every single day and you see him talking to uh, netanyahu yesterday and having all these sorts of meetings i wonder why our, our politicians are so anonymous. But anyway, let's not talk politics. I want, yeah, exactly. I want to talk about a company that just in three months had a top line, a top line revenue, sales, whatever you want to call it, 91.8 billion US dollars in three months. The share in the company, again, under consideration, is Apple. What an extraordinary performance. Extraordinary. Yeah, and, and Apple, you know, there is a big difference between the current winners you know, the fangs yes. and the dot-com bubble boom, whatever you want to call it, in the early 2000s. These companies generate serious cash flows, positive cash flows and profits. Eh? Serious. Really yeah. Very, very different scenario to the dots. So no matter what you might think about them, it's not a dot-com boom stroke, bubble stroke, whatever you want to call it, like we had then. This is a very different kettle of fish. And... Uh, these companies are, and put the share price aside for the moment. Just the share price might come down because it might be expensive. I don't know. But their profits aren't coming down there. These companies generate serious profits. In fact, over the next decade, their success might lead to their next challenge because their next challenge is politicians don't like any company that is so dominant in such an important uh, part of society. So not, not Apple per se, but you take all the social media companies and you can hear and, and you can already see all the attacks starting on them because they have the ability to change public opinion one way or the other. And you hear about all the interference in the elections and all the manipulation of, of public opinion, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole lot actually have the ability to change history and change politics and change elections and change the popularity of politicians. So their biggest challenge over the next 10 years will be politicians trying to limit their, their influence. And, and I would not be surprised in the ne next decade if they force these companies to unbundle or they come under such intense regulatory scrutiny for what they publish and what's trending and what's highlighting and verification. I mean, I think they're going to be subject to the same as we are with Rika. You're going to have to prove who your users are and you're going to have to shut down accounts where you don't know the user and their residential address and their ID number. 
I think we are heading that way. They are just too powerful, and politicians don't like that. I think they're on top of it, actually. I mean, if you look at Amazon, they've come under fire recently. Well, I'm for- sure they. I'm sure hmm. they realise that if they're not on top of it, they could be in deep trouble at some stage. Yeah, Amazon employs a lot of people, but it apparently doesn't pay them very well. So they've come under fire there, and with the amount of money that they're making, they can rectify that, and they will rectify it if it does affect their business model and their future profitability. So I think Amazon will adapt as well. Facebook is another story. It's uh, an Instagram as well. There's so many stories about, I mean, even something as as simple but as distressing as people self-harming and committing suicide because of what they see on Instagram and, and Facebook and other platforms. They have to do something about that. So they've got a security problem, but they will sort it out, much as I dislike the company and I've never had a Facebook account. But I think, Neither have I. I think they adapt Wayne, I really do. And they have to. They have to say to themselves, we have made hundreds of billions of dollars uh, personally and for shareholders, but we've got to do something about it. And they will. And, you know, Europe has taken a stance, much to the chagrin of... Donald Trump and other people by putting on putting taxes on the on these companies, but that will continue. Yeah. But they they'll get over it, don't you think? Yeah, I, I, they are clearly very aware of this. Very aware. Okay, so it's the end of the first month, and nearly. Are you confident about the next eleven months? Uh, does the action of January make you feel a little bit nervous? Or are you still uh, in, innately I'm, confident? I'm worried. I'm worried about three things. First of all, the valuation of the U.S. share market. I'm not saying it's going to crack, but this 30% return in a year cannot continue. It is just too expensive. So that's the first thing I'm worried about, is that that might come off. Secondly, and this is, I suppose, a perennial worry, what's Donald Trump going to do next? You just don't know. Did you see him yesterday standing there when uh, Netanyahu was was more or less saying, I'd like to marry you because you're, you're so fantastic towards Israel. Did you see his face and he couldn't keep still? No, he didn't. was so excited. Yes, but you don't know what he's going to no, do next. I, he's extraordinary. And I, and, I, and I thank goodness I didn't see it. I think it would just make me feel even worse. Yeah, I mustn't say too much. About worse, worse, even worse about this worry. What's he going to do next? You, as I said, you just simply don't know. And that creates uncertainty, okay? Mm. Then the third thing I'm worried about is the pace of reform in South Africa is going in the right direction. We mustn't be too harsh. on. We can be harsh, but not too harsh on our politicians. What they are doing is the right thing. They're just doing it too slowly and not enough. So... This year's growth is going to be anemic. It'll be better than last year, we hope. And the growth, if they carry on at the current pace, growth is truly only going to pick up in three, four years' time. And if they don't pull a rabbit out the hat in the budget, which I don't think they're going to, by the way, it's just not, it doesn't seem to be our state president's style to take a big bang approach on anything. We are going junk status on the 29th of March. Now, I think it's priced in but you just simply don't know. So those are the three worries. Wayne, thank you very much for your time this evening. That was Wayne on Wednesday, or maybe I should just rename it Wayne's Worries on Wednesday. <laughs> Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.